0: Good morning. It's awesome to be here. As you heard, it's awesome to be anywhere. Uh, I just want to give God the glory. First of all, thank you, Pastor Dave. Uh, That friendship does go back to the early 70s, and uh, grateful uh, we were a part of this church on one of our furloughs in 1988, and that's uh, some great memories for us as well. Uh, We served in Austria for almost 20 years and then came back to the United States to get into Uh, administration and operations of Assemblies of God World Missions. We have about 2,700 missionaries around the world and uh, I'm glad to report today that uh, our personnel in Afghanistan are safe in Germany and we just give God the glory for that. I do want to give God the glory for one other thing and thank you very much. I know many of you uh, have prayed uh, for me and on March the 16th, 2020, I was taken by, uh, by an ambulance to the hospital and immediately vented and put in sed- and sedated and put in a coma. I was in that coma for about 40 days. Uh, at that time, I uh, just want to read off what was wrong with me so that we can give God the glory together. I had emergent intubation, pulmonary failure, blood clots in arms and legs, cardiac complications from experimental medications, gastrointestinal infection, bilateral secondary pneumonia, acute respiratory distress syndrome, acute kidney failure, fungemia, sepsis, tracheostomy, bed sores, and post-sedation delirium, which my wife still accuses me of. (laughs) And we sang that song, there's another in the fire, there's one holding back the sea, there's one in the battle. And for many of you that battled for me in intercessory prayer, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And my wife thanks you too. At least that's what she tells me. <laughs> hey, I want to I share uh, a message today uh, out of uh, the book of John, the gospel of John, chapter 12. And I'll read this verse for you. Uh, we should have some slides that will go up. Uh, the one who loves his life destroys it and the one who hates his life in this world guards it for eternal life. If anyone wants to serve me, he must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be too. If anyone serves the Father, the Father will honor him. So, John's Gospel is full of grace and truth. That's how he starts off in verse uh, 14 of chapter one. What a marriage of attributes, grace, and truth, and Jesus is the bridge between heaven and between the earth, and he embodies God's grace and reveals God's truth, and I'm just so thankful that Jesus is just not some sort of theory or Christianity is just not some theory. It's about a person with whom we can have a relationship with, and that's just so cool. One of my favorite examples of uh, in, uh, in modern day of life of a person giving their all for Jesus—that's our theme in 2021 in Assemblies of God World Missions, for all for Jesus. One of my favorite examples is by the is has the name William Borden. Many of you will recognize Borden Industries. It was a huge conglomerate of dairy products and different things, particularly uh, through the uh, 1900s and early 2000s. Well, William Borden graduated from high school in 1904, okay? Now, probably none of us were around in 1904. And um, his parents gave him, being from a rich family, gave him a trip around the world where he could just, was on a boat and just went around the world. And when he docked at different ports, he would get off and go and see what really was going on in in those cities that he docked at. Well, many of the great cities of the world have ghettos and slums, and he saw those ghettos and slums. And so during his journey at one of the stops, he felt impressed by God, and he wrote back to his family and says, I'm going to give my life to prepare for the mission field. Well, that shocked the family, because he was the heir to the Borden Corporation and to the Borden Estate. A friend told him that he was throwing his life away, but Borden wrote on the back of his Bible, no reserves, no reserves. Well, Borden then attended the Yale University and was a very, was a very powerful spiritual influence on campus. And he wrote in his journal, say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. <laughs> How about that one, huh? That one sits in saying no to self, but yes to Jesus every time. He renounced his family fortune and decided to study at Princeton Seminary, intending to reach Muslims in China. At that time, he added in the back of his Bible, no retreat. No reserves, no retreat. After graduating from seminary, he turned down employment and began his work by going on a ship to go to Egypt on his way to China. He wanted to study Arabic so that he would be able to communicate. There he contacted meningitis. And meningitis back in the day was just a killer. And just before his death at 27 years of age, he wrote in his Bible two more words, no regrets, no reserve, No retreat, no regrets, all for Jesus. Now please understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying every Christian is called to become a missionary and go to the Muslims in China, but I am saying that every Christian needs to prioritize the kingdom of God in their lives. And based on John chapter 12, I'd like to share just three points with us this morning. Number one, my heavenly citizenship eclipses my earthly citizenship. And I think we as Christians need to remember that sometime because we're so split in our country right now. But my heavenly citizenship eclipses my earthly citizenship. Secondly, my priorities determine my legacy. Each one of us will have a legacy. And my priorities will determine my legacy. And third, wherever Jesus is, that's where I wanna be. Wherever Jesus is, that's where I want to be. So let's look at that first one. Uh, My heavenly citizenship eclipses my earthly citizenship. Now let's face it, Americans love freedom, independence, and elbow room. We just love it. Uh, I remember our first uh, year in Austria. In Europe, because of the proximity and geography of Europe, their space needs are a little less than what we have here in the United States. And so I remember my first encounter with uh, an Austrian brother and, and the space between an American, uh, Dave, can you help me? Could you come up here and help, thank you. Pastor Dave, excuse me. And Pastor Chris, if you're listening, God bless you. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs> so Americans feel comfortable about this distance. This is, this is a nice comfortable distance. So uh, I was standing here and the Austrian, my Austrian friend went like this, because that's a comfortable distance for him. So I went like this, and he went like this, and we did a little dance all the way to the wall where I couldn't go anymore. Thanks, David. We just like space. We have the space, and so we like it. So we value home ownership, good jobs, getting ahead, tolerance, fairness, justice, and constitutional rights. These priorities are passed down from generation to generation, and there's nothing intrinsically wrong with those. Their values, but are these the only values that we have in our lives? Is it the world's value system? Is it a justice, is it a man-made value system? Have we abdicated our future reality for this present reality? Are we so caught up in this world and this time that we've forgotten that we are pilgrims, that we are aliens, that we are journeying through here? that this is not our final home? Have we come, become enamored with getting ahead and accumulating money and possessions and developing relationships, and have we been duped by our, control, our culture to think that their mores and their traditions are the best ones? Have our eyes been diverted from the heavenly city to the earthly city? Now, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, "'Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added onto you. You know, his words really, when Jesus speaks, when you read the words of Jesus in the Gospels, his words just kind of cut through the chase. They're very clear, they're very concise, and they're very poignant. And they speak very personally to us, but they also speak very corporately to us. So I have to ask myself in my life, in my heart, in my soul, in my whole being, Is the kingdom of God first in my life? Am I all for Jesus? Is his whisper in my ear, in my spirit, like a clap of thunder that goes off so that I can recognize his voice? Or is it still so small that I have to try to figure out if it's God speaking to me or not? What does all for Jesus look like in my life? Now, coming out of the 70s and the 60s, just to get a, how many remember the 1960s? Just a few of us. Yeah. I had a friend that said, if you remember the 1960s, you weren't there. So <laughs> I'll exp- I'm not going to explain that. So, so <laughs> yeah. So, out of, uh, a song that really touched my heart was a, a song called I Surrender All. And it goes like this All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him. In his presence daily live. All to Jesus I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. This is the chorus. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. J.W. Van Deventer was an art teacher who became an evangelist and wrote I Surrender All in 1896. In describing his inspiration, he was struggling because he was wanting to get a degree and further his art education, but the Lord had put a call on his life and he, didn't, he just didn't know what to do. And finally he came to a point where, in a prayer closet or at an altar, or from a word of God that came to him, he surrendered all and he wrote this song. In Matthew 13, Jesus describes different uh, parables in relationship to the kingdom of God, a treasure in the field, a pearl of great price. In both instances, he encourages disciples to give up absolutely everything to get the treasure or to get the pearl. And brothers and sisters and friends that are either watching or here in this auditorium, there's one thing that is most important in life, and that's the afterlife. It's important now because Jesus said in John chapter 10 that I've come to life, or I've come to give you life and that in abundance. But he's also come to give us eternal life. And so is our priorities right? Are we all for Jesus? Secondly, my priorities determine my legacy. And I guess when you get older, you start thinking about what your legacy is. You know, what are you leaving for your children? What are you leaving for your grandchildren? What are you leaving for society? What are you leaving that will have helped the world while you were here in it? Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And Paul adds in Galatians, a person will reap what he or she sows. So I ask myself, where do I invest my time? Where do I invest my finances? What am I sowing in my relationships? What am I sowing through my lifestyle? Because my family is watching, the world is watching, the church is watching, what legacy am I leaving? uh, I'm a bit of a history buff. Uh, Someone who understood the importance of legacy was a man by the name of Count Zinzendorf. Zinzendorf was uh, of royal blood, and lived in Austria back in the 1700s. And he started a village called Herrnhut, which means the Lord's Watch, okay? The Moravian movement was a a movement that came together because uh, Christians, people that really identified with Jesus Christ, that gave their all for Jesus, that surrendered their sins to Jesus, and he took them and cleansed them and they had new life, they were being ostracized. They were being persecuted. They were being pushed out to the margins of society because they had put a priority in their life of following Jesus Christ. And apparently, Count Zinzendorf had come into a personal relationship with Christ, and this was a burden in his life. Now, coming out of royal blood, there were certain expectations. So he had to go to university. He has he he served in the king's court of Dresden in Germany, but. That was not his heart's desire. His heart's desire was to do something for these persecuted Christians. And so he bought from his grandmother a piece of land and that's where he developed Herrnhut. As soon as he bought that piece of land, people uh, from Moravia, which was a part of Germany and the Czech Republic and Slovakia uh, at at that time, Moravia, they started, Christians started coming there. and, and, And first they had one and then they had 10 and then it developed into where they had just about 300 in 1726. And they had a real community of believers that were there. In 1727, uh, something happened in that little village, in that little village of the Lord's Watch. They began a prayer meeting. And uh, uh, one historian says, uh, says about that prayer meeting uh, this abounds in records of special outpourings of the Holy Spirit, and verily, remember this is 1700 language, verily, the 13th of August, 1727, that's, anybody can figure, anybody a mathematician here? You know, 1727, 300 years, 400 years ago, just about 400 years ago. On August 1727, on the 13th of August, it was a day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We saw the hand of God and his wonders, and we were all under the cloud of our fathers, baptized with their spirit. The Holy Ghost came upon us in those days. Great signs and wonders took place in our midst. From that time, scarcely a day passed, but what we beheld his almighty workings amongst us. A great hunger after the word of God took possession of us so that we had to have three services every day. Yeah, (laughs) everyone desired above everything else that the Holy Spirit might have full control. Self-love and self-will, as as well as all disobedience, disappeared. That's when you know God has come. When self-love and self-will and disobedience has disappeared. And an overwhelming flood of grace swept over us into a great ocean of divine love. 1727, that was, a, that was their first prayer meeting on August the 13th. 100 years later, that prayer meeting ended. Did you get that? Every day for 100 years in Herrenhut, they had a prayer meeting and the Holy Spirit worked. But what happens when the Holy Spirit start working? Well. Acts tells us, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses. That's not me. That's the Bible. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. So the account goes like this. Count Sinzendorf was fulfilling one of his royal obligations, went to Copenhagen to be at the king's court. There he met a slave from the Caribbean, from our Caribbean area. And by the way, we need to pray for the people of the East Coast uh, while we're praying in our devotions. A slave that had gotten free from the Caribbean islands was there, who was a Christian, and he came to Zinzendorf because somehow he knew he was a Christian and said, hey, listen, I have people on the island that don't have a Bible, don't have a preacher, don't have anybody that will share the gospel with them. Can somebody go and preach to them? So he came back to Heronhood, and he gave this plea out to his congregation, and two men stepped forward. One of them uh, was a, a carpenter, and the other one was like a potter. And they stepped forward and said, we will go. They tried to get there, but they weren't allowed to go because they weren't allowing anybody on that island that was a Christian or anybody else. So the story goes, they sold themselves into slavery so that they could go to that island. And as they were waving goodbye to their family and to their friends as they were on the ship, they said, may the lamb that was slain received his just reward. Brothers and sisters, by the time Zinzendorf died in 760, the Moravians had sent out 226 missionaries out of a congregation of about 300. What a legacy. You see, we're a part of that legacy because the Moravians came to the United States too. They came to the state of Georgia and other different states. I share this example not only because it emphasizes the missionary work of the Moravians and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but also the strong support home base because those people at home believed that the gospel should go to everyone in the world. I contend there's no greater legacy that we can leave as a person or as a church than to share Jesus with someone and to share with missionaries in the U.S. or around the world that are willing to give their lives so that others that have not heard or not adequately heard that Jesus can save them from their sins. That is an incredible legacy. And for your part in that, in sending out missionaries, thank you. For your part in that, in sharing the gospel with family and friends, thank you. So, our most meaningful legacy, maybe to our children, to our spouse, to our friends, to to our community, is that we leave Jesus a taste, a breath, a look, at who Jesus is. And that brings us to the third point. Wherever Jesus is, that's where I wanna be. That kinda of sounds a little strange. But in that John passage, you know, Jesus was in the field and the disciples were there. Jesus was in the house of uh, Matthew, a rich tax collector, and his disciples were there. Jesus was on the road uh, to Emmaus with his disciples and they were with him. Wherever Jesus is, that's where I want to be. When I was a young man, I used to sing a chorus called, I'll go where you want me to go. It goes like this, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, over mountain or plain or sea, I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord, I'll be who you want me to be. In essence, I was saying, where you are, Jesus, that's where I want to be. And that's where I still want to be. I want to be where he wants us. Place, position, prosperity, poverty doesn't really matter if I am where Jesus is. Throughout the Gospels, whether Jesus was celebrating at a feast or picking grain in the field, his disciples were with him. They learned a the secret of being content, as Paul said, in every situation. I recently, and this one, um, this one's Touches my heart very much. I recently received a message from, and we're online, right? I'm, uh, from a country in the Middle East. A believer had been turned in by his family and arrested for sharing his faith in Jesus Christ, and he was put in prison. One of our workers was able to contact him and let him know that others were praying for him, like you've prayed for people around the world, like you prayed for me they were praying for him, and he got, wind, he got wind of that somehow, and he wrote a letter back uh, to uh, this missionary. Now, remember, this is his second, maybe his third language, not his, his primary language, so he writes in that, in, in that manner. And here's what he said, Amen, my brother, may God protect you and preserve you. Now, remember, he's writing from prison. And his first words are, may God protect you and preserve you, And pray to God to use you in the service of God and grant you health for your family. Kind of sounds like 2 John chapter 2 or chapter 1. My brother, do not worry about my business. God, and this is the line that gets me, God is impossible to leave us. If you're here today, I don't care what situation you're in, God is impossible to leave us. He said, I will be with you until the ends of the earth. So take that and hang on to it. He said, I am proud of my family of Christ that cares about building and prayers for us. Thank you and all the brothers for what you do for the sake of believers. May God protect you. I pray to God to achieve all that you wish to expand the church and the day will come when we will hear church bells in every city of my country where there are no church bells. I have a feeling in my heart, he goes on to say, that the day will come and I will see the church in front of the world in our capital city. May God protect you and achieve for you everything you ask of the Lord. Extremely powerful. The famous missionary David Livingston once said, If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? Tonight we're gonna have a commissioning service, U.S. missionaries and world missionaries. And if you ask any one of them, it's not a sacrifice. Friends, what does Jesus' commission ask us to really sacrifice? I ask myself, Should we even use the word sacrifice when we consider the struggles of our our believers in Afghanistan today that probably can't even come out of their homes? Believers around the world and throughout history that have suffered for the name of Jesus. As the writer of Hebrews says, being with Christ wherever he is is better than being without him. Let me read this passage in Hebrews. In what more shall I say For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword and were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put armies to flight, women received their dead back by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release that they might rise again to a better life. That's where we like to stop. But the scripture says, others suffered mockings and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains, in the dens of caves of the earth. All these, though commended through their faith, did not receive the promise since God had provided something better. So I ask myself some questions. And I'll ask them in front of you all. I ask myself, what will I do with the phrase all for Jesus? Will I leave this building and return to my normal life? Will I look at my neighbors sitting maybe next to me and say, what are they doing all for Jesus? Or do I personalize it and say, what am I doing? Will I file this away as another sermon in the sermon files of this year? What will I do? What will we do? I'd ask you to do a little gut check with me this morning at the altar or at your seat. And if, indeed, God has sent me here today just to remind us to seek first the kingdom of God. To remind us that we're aliens here. We're pilgrims. We're passing through 70, 80, 90 years. Believe me, goes by so quick. What kind of legacy am I going to leave? What am I going to be remembered for? Casting Crowns wrote a song called Only Jesus, and one of the lines in that says, all the kingdoms built, all the trophies won, will crumble into dust when it's said and done. Because all that really matters, that I live the truth to the ones I love, was my life proof there is only one whose name will last forever it's jesus thank you for allowing me to share with you today and would you bow your heads can we do that gut check like i asked could you stand to your feet too please lord your holy spirit was sent so that he would give us power to be witnesses he was spent to be he was sent to be our comforter he was sent to be our encourager He was sent to empower us. He was sent to remind us that we have dwelling in us the spirit of God. Lord, I pray today for my brothers and sisters. and Thank you for allowing me to share with them today and those watching online. I pray that in someone's heart today, Lord, that your voice will ring like a thunderclap like we talked about. Perhaps you've been dealing with them. They need to hear your voice very clearly, Lord. You've been dealing with them about a ministry or about a profession. You've been dealing with them about becoming a a Chi Alpha worker or a, a, a worker in the inner city. or You've been dealing with them, Lord, to become a missionary to some of the remotest places of earth or someplace where the lost have never really heard, never had access to the gospel. So I ask in Jesus' name that you would deal with us this morning, Lord, in your sweet, gentle way, because that's how you come, Lord. You come, sweet Holy Spirit, in a gentle way, not in a condemning way. Lord, this isn't about anything about condemnation today. It's about that you're with us and that we're with you. So I thank you, Lord Jesus, and I pray that uh, as we just keep our heads bowed in prayer that we would re-examine our lives and we would surrender ourselves to you again I ask this in Jesus
1: name Amen How many would say um, I'm willing to pray about my time, my talents my treasure all of those things and how I need to commit them to Jesus how many would say I'll, I'll do that How many would say, um, the Lord, the Holy Spirit has spoken to me through this word, and uh, I'm feeling the Lord put a tug on my heart to maybe be a missionary, to maybe be a pastor, to maybe be um, a counselor, whatever, but you feel the Lord's calling you into some form of ministry this morning. Would you put your hand up? Yeah, yeah, yep. Father, I thank you for these that are willing to pray about your call on their lives. And I thank you for those that this morning are saying, I'm feeling God put a call on me. Complete that work in our lives today. We just we give you thanks, Lord. Give you thanks. We praise you. Greg, Sandy, thank you for being with us today. And uh, thank you for the challenge again. That everything I do, it all needs to be about Jesus. Everything I do. Well, uh, Pastor Chris can't be with us today. He's not feeling well. Pray for Pastor Chris, Pastor Joe, Pastor Brian. They all need a touch in their bodies today. And so you got the old guy this morning. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. God bless you. Have a great day. If any of you have some time this afternoon that you could help Kay or me, um, come up and talk to us before you leave today. Thanks. God bless you. Have a great day.